This is the Mind Body Detox Podcast, where we discuss all things integrative health and wellness, interviewing folks from all over the world, sharing insights and wisdom on how to live a healthier life in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome back to the Mind Body Detox Podcast. I am your host, integrative intuitive medium, Kara Loveheart. And we're actually going to be doing a series. The next four episodes will be a series all about love. Mm -hmm. And who better to bring on the show than my partner and my love, Matt Suter. Well, hello. Hello. Yay. (laughs) Okay, so Matt, we have to do a brief intro to who you are. Okay. That's a very difficult thing to do, to be brief about who I am as I do so many different things, being the Gemini that I am, a lot of hats that I wear. Yes. So when it comes to everything you do in the holistic world, let's cover those things. And then we, of course, will come back and talk all about Matt Suter, because I think an episode on you, um, specifically when it comes to how do we as human beings um, find self-mastery. I feel like you would be the best person to talk about that. Thank you. So we will have you on for that episode, mm-hmm. but let's just give everybody a brief idea of who you are and what you do. Where do you work mainly? Well, yes, there you go. I do a lot of different things in the holistic world as well, uh, but uh, I'm primarily, I do most of my readings and things like that out of Firefly. I also work over at New Visions Books and Gifts. Um, but uh, my primary... Um, uh, offerings are uh, I, I am an oracle reader I read tarot as well but I usually reserve that uh, along with a lot of the other things that I do I keep that for when I feel that it's appropriate but I like to talk about bigger themes and concepts so I tend to stick with oracle uh, cards for that I'm also an astrologer I um, I'm an intuitive I uh, I um, I I usually don't apply the term to myself but I I'm a medium uh, as well um, so, yes, am I missing anything? I can't no, but yeah. what we're going to do is we're kind of going to go into these episodes, yeah. sort of like how you and I, our relationship developed, mm-hmm. like we're kind of easing into the pool. Mm-hmm. So we'll go into each of these episodes and actually talk a little bit more about you at each episode and sure. how about you and I and how each of these topics pertain to us. Mm-hmm. So you guys are going to have to like listen to the next three episodes. It's a unfold. series. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's a series. And you're going to want to be, uh, you know, go deeper into who Matt Suter is and who Kara Loveheart is. And especially, <laughs> you know, some of these topics we're talking about regarding love. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be talking today about the language of love. Yes. And the five love languages, we're going to talk about those, but I think we should start with the basics. We have the Greek terms here that we're going to discuss, and we're going to dive right into those to start off with. Yeah. I think that it's also important to, as a precursor, to sort of help people understand that when we talk about language, uh, which is, of course, a funny sentence talking about language, but it's it's the idea that we are limited by the words that we have at our disposal, and when it comes to the English language being piecemealed together the way that it has been between Greek roots and Latin roots and German roots and a lot of different things, um, we we sort of have assimilated a lot of meanings, and uh, their traditional and cultural meanings, of course, change over time through the vernacular, through the common language of the time of being vernacular. Um, 
And so I think love is an important thing to understand because in our language, we have love. And we have other words like maybe infatuation or lust or those sorts of things that talk about other aspects. But love in and of itself, in its truest form, does have many different faces. And so, you know, within Latin, which is one of our main, you know, root languages that our language is built upon, uh, there's 16 different words. Uh, but we tend to stick to a few uh, in Greek. And that's the reason why I think that, that Greek is a great sort of diving board to get into these different concepts. But Yes, I just wanted to throw that out there up front. Yeah, no, because there is, again, that's why we're talking about it, because love is, they say, oh, love is all you need, you Mm -hmm, know, and mm -hmm. pretty much every, a majority of musicians and artists out there, a lot of their music is about love. Sure, it's a big big topic it's a big motivator yeah mm-hmm. i mean say unless you're doing some sort of concept album where you're telling a story mm-hmm. usually it's about love it's about heartbreak it's about sure being in love it's about finding love it's about lust it's about it's all about these balance different, <laughs> yeah these different aspects of love so it's like so much a part of our human experience yeah. um so i'm excited to uh, talk about that now of course just to kind of give you guys also a uh snapshot preview of what's to come in the next episodes we are going to dive into the experience of love mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the story of love and this is the one for all of you out there who've been waiting and asking about this talking about soulmates and the topic of what they term twin flames we're going to talk about that as well and then we're going to talk about the life of love mm-hmm. so that's going to be really the biggest expanded version so again with different layers or experience in in your consciousness as a human being, you're going to experience different types of love at different times in your life. So we're going to go through that whole, this whole progressive series going deeper and deeper. So let's talk about the type of love that is most commonly referred to Mm -hmm. for this February holiday of Valentine's day, which is Eros. Mm -hmm. So what is Eros? So Eros is, uh, First and foremost is a is a deity from the Greek pantheon, um, uh, but the word it's the same thing is Cupid, right? Um, yes, well, kind of. That's the thing with the Greek and Roman pantheon. The Romans, of course, when they conquered most of Europe, they took a lot of those things, including astrology, just as a fun little aside. Um, and they they basically took a lot of the foundations of these deities and then applied their own names. But there are variations upon their mythologies and their jobs. But if you want to use a broad brush then yes cupid and eros are essentially the same okay. yeah yeah but but eros in the term of the word um is basically all about passion it's the the primal it encompasses what we would usually term as lust in english so it's that sexual component um it's the romantic uh in the sense of the your young love the partner, the honeymoon phase, or the, the teenage, the love. magnetic attraction towards that other person that that is you know beyond um, mental comprehension. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. Now, I think as we're going through these different types of love, I want to encourage everyone out there to think about them where they're in your life right now. Yes, and because I feel like to live a full life, we have to allow ourselves to feel all these different types of love. Sure. And we'll talk about that, too, because we're going to talk about heartbreak and coming out of that. But I think it's really important to have this full mm-hmm. experience of love in all the depth. It's the and all the shallowness. Spectrum. It's the, the spectrum, spectrum of, of love. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because I think as you grow older, that sexual passion, mm -hmm. that lust, even in a romantic relationship, a spouse or someone you've been with for a long time, that tends to dwindle Sure. Um, unless you're doing certain things in your relationship to rekindle that. And and so I think those are things to think about. And if you're in that too, you're in that honeymoon phase, like good for you. Mm -hmm. Like that's great. It's a right. really great part experience. of the experience, yes. the human experience. So, so awesome. So the next type of love is philia. Mm -hmm. Philia. Philia. There you go. That's a very deep friendship. That's basically if you have uh, a friend that you connect with that, um, maybe you don't have that. It's basically if you had the sexual component with that person, you might be in a relationship in a in a romantic dynamic with this person. But um, it, absent of that, it it relates to philia, which is more about that deep friendship, that bond that happens over time, that happens with a with not only shared history but shared experiences and understanding. It's it's that. Uh, what, what do they say? They, they think the kids call it the ride or die, uh, friends. So that's that's essentially that that expression of philia. There, yeah. And I feel like if you can have one person in your life, mm -hmm. even if it's for you know only ten years, you know, because sure. again, friendships and, and love grows and expands as it contracts. It moves all over different ways in it's our fluid, lives. Fluid, absolutely. It's very fluid. Um, I think if you have had that one friend, mm -hmm. you know, and even if they're not in your life right now, like just having had that is an amazing experience of, you know, that full spectrum aspect of love. Absolutely. You have it. You have one of those in your relationship I do, in yeah. your life. Yeah, I've I've had a friend for almost twenty years. We so, we say you guys are soulmates. Yeah, right. Exactly. We'll talk more about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, you have that deep friendship too. Yeah. So when it comes to the next type of love, this one I've never actually heard of. Mm -hmm. Ludus. Mm -hmm. So Ludus is the playful love. It's the idea of someone who you sort of uh, maybe joke around with. If you think about the way that cats play, they their their play is very similar to how they hunt and how they fight, but the difference is in the way that they're doing it. That they're doing it gently. That they're just they're more rolling around than they are trying to hurt one another. That sort of thing. That sort of playfulness in that interaction um, is really what what that that concept of ludus is is about. So it's. Um, yeah, it's that that idea of the playful love of. of so it's like that person at the water cooler that you're always telling jokes to, and like you're like ha 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 ha, you know, or you're like that neighbor down the street you don't really want to have a deeper like friendship with them. You don't have a lot in common. You're just like, but then you always are like, you know, maybe jesting each other or telling each other jokes. Or it's that friend you roast, but you don't have like deep yeah, emotional it's, connection it's, with. It's in that but and roast and each other back and forth. There can be a deeper connection, but that's sort of the expression of the connection. That idea of just sort of playing around with each other. So so sometimes that is jokes. Sometimes that is, you know, uh, giving each other a hard time or the business, you know, sort of thing. That, um, but you both do it with an understanding that it's a joke. It's a way that that you interact with one another. It's it's not that you're doing it because you care about the person and they're getting their feelings hurt in the whole process or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically in a nutshell the concept of that ludus. So agape. Mm -hmm. That's a word that. Jesus used a lot in the Bible there, that idea of the love for everyone. It's that universal love, that um, unconditional love, the idea that it is you love this person regardless of what they do, regardless of what happens. Um, and it's, it's also the root of one of my favorite sayings that I still try and keep 
in mind when I interact with people to this day, uh, which is the idea of uh, within Catholicism, we always used to say, love the sinner, hate the sin. It's that idea that, that it's not, you don't have to condone someone's behavior in order to love them that you can love them even if you don't agree with what they're doing and the choices that they're making. You can still love them through all of that. And so that agape is is really about that. Well, that's been a hard one for a lot of people over the yes, last couple of years. of course. How do we have brotherly, sisterly, humanly love mm-hmm. for each other and acceptance even with differing, differing, differing viewpoints? Yeah. Um, I know there's a really great, um, actually a YouTube video we put out mm-hmm. right actually when the pandemic hit um, was about navigating polarization. Yeah. So um, that that I'll actually share in the show notes too, because it's still it's still there. It's of still course. out there. So if you want um, a really great video from Matt, just to really be in that place of neutrality mm-hmm. in your relationships and how to find that forgiveness for other people, because people are still feeling that, and it's hard to have that agape love. We'll make sure we share that too. So I mean, as we're going through this, we got two more that mm-hmm. we're going to talk about. I'm thinking about how amazing our relationship is it's very dynamic sure and i think the more dynamic of relationships i've had in the past where i can these types of love are all encompassed in there Mm -hmm. like it just really does build upon it you know and i think for me growing up i had such an intense life so things were very intense for me Mm -hmm. and i looked and sought out intensity in relationships certainly and if you're someone that has expectations of all of your relationships to have all of these things. You know, I think this this episode is really going to be eye-opening just to give some awareness to that sometimes we have expectations in our relationships, whether it's romantic or friendships, that we want them to love us a certain way. Mm-hmm. Or we want to be loved, you know, we want to love them a certain way, and maybe they can't hear or feel our love. And that's why we're going to talk about the five love languages. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really interesting to just keep in mind that all relationships are dynamic. And you may have a surface relationship with someone that may not feel as deep as you want it to be, but at least it's there. And if you can navigate and look at these words and use these to define it, I think by focusing on what you have in that relationship yes. and building upon it instead of focusing on what you lack, right? I think that's really healthy to go forward with as it, we continue on with these It's terms. absolutely an important motivator to focus on that because ultimately love is about growth. Love is about progression. Our two prime motivators in life being love and fear that when we are truly focused on love, we don't need to rush. We don't need to hold on. We don't need to uh, hoard you know, um, that there is abundance, that there is plenty of time, there is plenty of love, and that the more that we can learn to open up, the more we can step towards that agape, that idea of that unconditional love, because we don't have a limited supply. It's unlimited as long as we continue to align ourselves with those choices of love rather than fear. Yeah. And I also want to say one more thing. As we're kind of coming out of this pandemic, you know, over the next couple of years, people have been cooped up for a very long time. And social dynamics and being social and connecting on a deeper level as humans, mm-hmm. like you may be coming out again soon and actually maybe you revamped who your, your idea of who and what you want to be around. Yeah. And I think as you start to navigate these social dynamics again and you connect with people again, I think that having in mind these different types of love and learning to focus on the one that you've already cultivated or you've seen a glimpse of, 
I think that can help people because I feel like people might be so, like you said, holding on. Yes. Oh my gosh, I finally have someone I can hang out with. Right. Or right. wow, this person gets me, or I've got rid of these toxic people now that I can, you know, I, I think that that, when you said you're squeezing onto it, you're mm-hmm. going to choke all the love out. Yeah. But if you can focus on these uh, different terms and look at what you have and build upon that, I think that would be very, very helpful. Sure. So we talked about eros, which is sexual, ener- sexual energy, sexual passion, that dynamic, lust. Aphilia, ludus, agape, and the next one's pragma, mm-hmm. which I find is really interesting because it's long-standing love. Yes, and I think that's fascinating because of the word pragmatic or mm-hmm. pragmatism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, and it's it, the idea of that pragma is, um, you know, people who have been married for fifty years that it's not that they're uh, infatuated with one another, not that that's. On, you know, mutually exclusive, not that that can't happen as well, but the type of love that it's referring to is this idea of this long-standing love, this thing that has lasted a long time and uh, people who have sort of grown together and supported one another through that growth. Um, and again, this can be with a friendship, it can be a romantic relationship, it can be with a sibling, it can be anything. It's that idea of, of uh, the, the longevity of the concept, and that's really what it speaks to. It's that idea idea of we this love has is the result of a long uh, period of time and it has grown again in that long game that it's developed and it's become that flower that's slowly uh, blossomed into this beautiful thing uh, that is supportive that type of love is not glamorized at all Mm -hmm. through the media yeah, it's like only well, only in the Notebook. I was going to say the Notebook there's, is like the there's only, romantic like there's uh, movies some, that are some, that way. But I feel but, like yeah. it's not until you're like in your 40s, you're like, yeah, because it takes time. And yeah, that's until not, you actually want that, you're like, that no, doesn't fit in that hour and a half time slot. You know, and, and the lust and the right. No, you're right. Yeah. And I think that it's not until we get over this excitement and drive first the next novel experience and the next thing. I think that's a really young mindset when we're in that space that we really look for like those long standing relationships sure. that will be there for us and those that's interesting to mention too with that is it, that's not really something that you set your mind to that's more something that happens exactly you know that love transforms because maybe that relationship started with eros that you were just sexually attracted to that person you got together and then as you developed a deeper bond on a daily basis um, you know, helping out one another, listening, supporting, all those wonderful things. And over a period of time, then it develops into that idea of pragma. So it, it, that's the idea. It's not so much that we focus on pragma of this is the type of love that I want. It's acknowledging that this is the type of love that has developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, the last one here is philotia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this one can be potentially um, used in a way that's maybe... Uh, selfish or mm-hmm. selfless. Absolutely, yeah. And again, that you know, this concept of love—it's not really denoting anything, whether it is healthy or unhealthy. It's simply talking about a style, uh, because mm-hmm. all of these have healthy and unhealthy components. Uh, it's just a matter of of how they're being applied. And if you are keeping track of yourself in the equation, that's really the biggest component. But you know, that's that's uh, appropriate for this type of love, as it is self-love. It's that idea of. How much do you love yourself? Um, and uh, one of my favorite sayings that I you know, say to my clients a lot uh, is that just the same as you can't teach me how to swim if you don't know how to, you can't truly love anyone else until you love yourself first. Um, because you're, you're limited by the amount of love that you can give to yourself. 
Um, and that's the, that is the limit that you can give to others. You can certainly attempt to go above and beyond that, but once you do, you overexert yourself, you move beyond those healthy, uh, you know, boundaries. And, uh, and very often it, even though you might feel like you're giving love to other people, really what you're doing is you're giving all of yourself to someone else. And that's never a healthy thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And until that uh, self-love is developed and it's anchored in, like fear really slips in the door really quickly in relationships, whether it's romantic or platonic. And that's like jealousy or envy or codependency or uh, being controlling. All these aspects come up. But when you are really loving yourself and taking care of you, you really start to I think change that relationship with yourself and ultimately you set boundaries with what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in your life. And that's when you completely transform your romantic relationships, your social relationships, your family dynamics. Sure. Those things change. Absolutely. And that's why I think that self-love is the most important thing of all. And I I find it interesting because there was this really interesting mentality of like self-love is selfish. Yeah, that's a very difficult thing for a lot of people to grasp, especially in our predominant Christian culture here, because there was so much uh, selflessness that is at the core of that. You know, the idea of um, you know God not only coming to Earth and embodying uh, Himself within that Christian perspective, Himself into a human, so sort of stepping into this physical limitation, but then doing this with the understanding that he was coming here to die, you know, um, that he was giving up his own life to save us, that sort of idea. And so that we should strive to follow that example, to give up our personal self uh, in, to, to benefit, you know, the group, um, the collective. So, Well, it's obvious when you see people who are doing that, the over-nurturers, the people that are just running themselves ragged, and then they don't have any more love left to give. Right. They don't have that boundary with their self, their time, their sleep, their health, their mental health, their physical health, all the things just, you just give away yeah. all your energy. Yeah. And it's important to develop that that sense of, I think that the more that we love ourselves, the more we can start to acknowledge self-worth. So very often they develop in tandem where you can, the more that you can understand that you are worthy of love, that you are, you are love, that uh, what you do is valuable, that you are worthy of receiving that love, not because of what you do, but simply because you are. You know, and the more that you are true to yourself and develop that, the more you can experience that love because you expand your capacity to receive that love when you open up and you start to love yourself in that way. So it's not selfish. It's not that idea because when we focus on just ourselves, then the last thing on our minds very often is what's going on around us, those other people. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that usually the people who are worried about being um, consumed by selfishness are the last people who would ever be consumed Absolutely. by selfishness. Because Absolutely. the fact that they're, you know, interacting with that concept, perhaps even to a neurotic degree, um, they're... That, that very awareness is the thing that will keep them from being selfish. So just being conscious of, I am loving myself first, but just because I do that does not mean I'm loving myself last. 
You know, that's the idea. It's not just me on the list, but I do need to be at the top of that list. You know, that uh, once again, to reference the Bible, we need to take that plank out of our own eye before we take the splinter out of our neighbor. I like the one where you're on the airplane, you always secure your air mask, Absolutely oxygen mask right. first yep. before the child. Yes, before your, <laughs> yeah, before your neighbor there. Yeah. 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 So the six words are eros, mm-hmm. philia, ludos, agape, mm-hmm. pragma. And philotia. Mm-hmm. So those different types of love, again, love is fluid. Yes. You can have different dynamics, and you can have all of those, a couple of those, a combination of them. They can change over time in relationship dynamics. Absolutely. Um, you know, who knows? You may be able to have those relationships with yourself. I don't know. Uh, deep sexual passion for yourself, deep friendship sure. with yourself, playful love with yourself, mm-hmm. love for yourself, love for everyone, agape, and loving, long-standing uh, love, which, of course, if you build that self-love with yourself over a long time, you're your own best friend, your own your own best cheerleader. Yeah. I think that's really, really uh, a nice thing to think about. How can we how can we create these within ourselves yeah. so that we are better at engaging with that aspect of ourselves so we're better with in- incorporating it into a relationship dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because even though we have more than just one word here, um, these are also still limited, you know, that, that they're also still in a box. So understand that even if you can say, well, the type of love that I have with my friend is this, or the type of uh, love that I have with my partner is that, that it's simply a label of your perception of that love. And so it's just a means of communicating it to someone who also understands that terminology. Because like I said, there's even more words in Latin that we can pull from. So the, the ultimately, it's that, and, and love is a great example of that, where it's not about the words. It's about the feeling. It's about the dynamic and the relationship with the concept, as opposed to the words that are pointing at the concept. So as you go through that list and, and sort of do a little introspection on an examination of your relationship, understand that these words are simply a means of discussing them rather than a box to limit them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, of course, when we're talking about discussing and communication, mm-hmm. we're talking about language. Mm-hmm. Of course, we talk about these words, but now we're going to look at the actual ways that we express yes. love. Mm-hmm. Or In- some of the most common, I suppose. Right. Yeah. So, there are five different love languages. And... There is a book out there that we'll put in the show notes, which mm-hmm. is great. D- deep, in-depth you know, information about what we're going to talk about here. Yeah, definitely. And there's also an app. Mm-hmm. Remember we got the yes, app? Yes, indeed, I do. It was so great. Yeah. So um, the five different love languages are really the different ways that we give love to people. Mm-hmm. And we may not be even aware of this is how we express love to others. Sure. And we might also not be aware of our preference for receiving love. Mm-hmm. What type of love do we want to receive? Yes. Because I think in a lot of relationships, whether romantic or not, if we are feeling unloved, mm-hmm. maybe not good enough, we're starting to feel distant or disconnected from someone or feeling frustrated in a relationship, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's because the love languages aren't potentially not lining up. Yes. That we may not understand, like, oh, actually, I love them a lot. I'm always telling them all the time, but mm-hmm. they think I don't. They still say, you don't love me. Right. Say, I tell you all the time. Right. Well, your love language may be the first type, mm-hmm. words of affirmation. Yeah. So, words of affirmation is 
talking about how much you love someone, telling yes. them, telling them how awesome they are and how much you appreciate them, and and um, acknowledging what they do and the, all those sorts of things through that verbal communication. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's that's absolutely those words of affirmation. It's also, I think, uh, important to bring up that when it comes to the love languages, the type of love language that you give to others is not always the type of love language that you want to receive. Exactly. Um, you know, sometimes they do line up that they're the same. That, that can be, uh, that's a very common thing where we give to others what we would like to receive ourselves. Um, but, but it's also important to, to ask yourself the question of, you know, which of these things as we go through these five, um, which of them do you feel you already employ as a means of communicating that love or demonstrating that love to someone else and how do you feel the most validated or seen uh you know or loved just in in general uh, you know which of these five so yes but but anyhow words of affirmation um that's one that's that's very big yes and i'm a words of affirmation giver mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. i give those words I'm, and that's part of my love language and you know some of my people i know were like they're not getting it. They're not getting. It. I don't understand mm-hmm. because that's not their love language. Right. Their love language might be acts of service. Mm-hmm. So, what is acts of service? That's basically uh, when we do things to show our appreciation, to show our love. So, that's surprising someone with breakfast in bed. Uh, that's um, maybe taking care of things that they normally would do, uh, making dinner for someone. Um, those sorts of things. So when people are at their, um, their, their family members have crossed over and there's maybe someone that has to take care of the funeral plans, Mm -hmm. usually that a lot of times that family member, their, their love language is acts of service. Like they've always been the one to like take care of the taxes for grandma or take her to go, you know, to her doctor appointments. And it seems like that was always the role they played because that's the way they, they like to love. Sure. And they may have other family members that they're like, you never buy us gifts or you never tell us that we're good enough or you never tell me you love me. But to them in their mind, they're like, but I do all these things for you. Mm-hmm. They're, they're quiet love. They're mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes it's things like just folding the laundry without saying, hey, I fold the laundry. I want you to see that I did it. They just sure. do it. Right, right. So I think that acts of service one is uh, really nice. So again, think about people in your life as we're going through these. If they do things for you and you don't ask them to, or if you do ask them to, they do it and they seem really happy about it. Like, oh, I did that for you. No problem. You sure. know? Mm-hmm. Those people might be an acts of service type of lovers. Right. Absolutely. In their language. And lovers, I don't mean necessarily romantic, but mm-hmm. just the way they love. The next type of love language is gifts. Yeah. Someone who loves through gift giving. Right. I am actually not a gift giver. Mm-hmm. And that's actually funny because you, your love language is gifts. You love gifts. Mm-hmm. And I love now that I've learned more about these love languages, uh, some of the people in your life have given you some really thoughtful gifts. Yes. And I've been learning about gift giving because uh, certain aspects of my family, they actually were not the best gift givers. Mm-hmm. And then I have people giving me gifts that I'm like, how did they do figure this this is a really good gift right <laughs> you know i never learned that it, well, i didn't learn through modeling or having someone to show me how to how do you get someone a good gift mm-hmm. how do you, you have to know all these things about them and you have to you know kind of pay attention pay attention yeah. a little bit more <laughs> so it does show that person you're paying attention to me yes you really really care about me because this is a really thoughtful gift mm-hmm. 
Um, and I've had a lot of people come into my life over the last five years that are gift givers. Sure. And I've never experienced that type of love. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really nice. Yes. So um, tell us more about that. And of course, your experience, maybe, because that is one of your love languages, as well as acts of service. You yes. like to give acts, give. I do, yes. And then receiving gifts is one of yours. Yeah. I, I think that when it comes to gifts, especially uh, that component of the thoughtful gift, I think for a lot of people who are that way, um, they tend to be givers. They're people who give to others. And so when someone comes along and not only gives them a gift, but a gift that is on point, that is thoughtful, that is you know right up a person's alley, that's a really beautiful way to show them, hey, you know, you matter in my life and I... I'm paying attention to what you like and um, maybe thinking a couple steps ahead of something that maybe you don't know about that maybe you would like, you know, that sort of thing. So it's it really does take a lot of, like I said, paying a lot of attention, being thoughtful. It requires a good memory. Uh, well, what about people things. who, you know, the whole dynamic that happens when a, a child is in the middle of a divorced family mm-hmm. and a lot of times you have one parent or the other or maybe a grandparent maybe doesn't get to spend a lot of time with the kid but they give them a lot of gifts. They sure. spoil them. And maybe they don't always buy them the things they really want, right. but it's like their way to try to figure out, I don't have time to love you. I don't have time to be with you if they're very busy or mm-hmm. they travel or they live out of state or something. I've seen that dynamic come up with people mm-hmm. and it's like they're, it is their love language because they don't know maybe how else to love from a distance sure. or they don't have these other ones. Um, but I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that people who, uh, there's, there's a component of, what people perceive as love, which is very often the concept of buying someone's affection, buying mm-hmm. someone's love. And so it's not always with just straight up cash. Sometimes it is with gifts. You know, it's that's the common trope of, you know, after a fight, you know, the, the husband goes and buys a dozen roses and some chocolates and gives it to the wife and then she forgives him. It's not that that's not necessarily the same thing. Um, you know, but at the same time, if that person enjoys receiving just gifts, period, if that's the only way for them to feel that they're receiving love, then perhaps that might be a, a path to pursue or explore. But I think that there's an important division between, um, you know, getting things um, and getting gifts for someone. You know, that I mm-hmm. think that that thoughtful component is definitely uh, important to, to, to be mindful of. And, you know, there's different people, like I said, that some people are fine with just whatever. You just mm-hmm. get them something, and that something shows them materialistically, mm-hmm. you know, that they matter in that person's life. Um, and other people, it is more about the idea of the gift. So, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot of variability as there are with a lot of these things that we're talking about um you know because like with words of affirmation the previous uh you know that we started off with is you know you can have someone who says hey you're really great at this or it could just be i want to be acknowledged for doing this thing i want people to give me words of affirmation about this particular thing you know and if you get too narrow with that expression or rather that uh, expectation of the reception of that love, you know, you can limit its capacity. So being conscious of these love languages and then also the departments in which these people are looking for them um, when it comes to, you know, giving it to someone else, that can also be an important thing. Well, I'm thinking about the years that I wasn't aware of love languages mm-hmm. and people bought me gifts mm-hmm. and it didn't really mean much to me. Mm-hmm. And 
now I think back about those people, that was their love language is almost like, oh, I unintentionally probably broke their heart. I mean, I said, thank you, but I didn't really, yeah. I feel like I didn't really receive it the way that would have been able to help them see that. Like, I see you. If you feel validated. You. Yeah. Thank you for loving me in this mm-hmm. way that this is your love language. Right. So, you know, I think this is really this awareness of these five different love languages are so powerful mm-hmm. because I, th- I've, I know that this book, the, it's, it's actually, it's, I think it's two decades in print it's a long it's it's an older book mm-hmm. um and it's still popular yes um i think it's saved people's marriages sure. and relationships because Absolutely. once you see that and you have this awareness shift like everything changes yeah everything changes yeah. and you don't have to it's not a right or wrong way to love it's just a different way mm-hmm. so the next one is quality time right that's one of mine mm-hmm. i love to spending quality time with people and this is like talking, engaging over a meal, playing games, being a lot of eye contact, a lot of back and forth and Mm -hmm. energy, not sitting next to each other on a couch watching a movie or something. Like Mm -hmm. that's fine. That's relaxing. That's nice. But quality time is like we're there and we're present with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the, 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 the love language that I feel with the generation of children that we have is not getting expressed as much. So if these children have that love language, Mm -hmm. that quality time I think is really missed, missed out because I mean, maybe maybe with COVID it wasn't people were at home then with their children, but there was so many of us who are so busy that people are working and they're working themselves to death and they're just like not having a lot of quality time with their kids. They get home and they're just so tired and they're exhausted. So that quality time piece doesn't have to be big. It can be 15 minutes of full presence, turn your phone off. You're not doing anything but reading a book to your kid mm-hmm. or rubbing their feet. Now, rubbing your feet is, of course, going into the next love language, which is right. physical touch. Right. But I think that quality time piece, it doesn't have to be hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. Like for someone who has that love language, like myself, it can be five minutes of like a really heartfelt conversation. Sure. And then I don't see them for three days or right. three weeks right. or a month. Like that five minute phone call, 10 minute phone call, you know, that, that even sometimes the, t- the quality time doesn't have to be in person. Right. Just part of you energetically exchange with me mm-hmm. for a period of time. That's good quality present time. Sure. Yeah. Quality over quantity as the yes. adage goes. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that's really important to, to note that one. So the last one is physical touch. Yes. And as a massage therapist, <laughs> one of my love languages is physical touch. I love hugs. I love just the pats on the back, the gentle, like, oh, it's okay. You know, like when you're not feeling good, you're feeling anxious or you're feeling tired. Are you all right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, would you like me to rub your feet? You know, Mm -hmm. rub your shoulders, rub your neck. Um, Even if it's just uh, holding someone's hand. Sure. That's that's one of my favorite, (laughs) uh, favorite ones. And for you, actually, I know that wasn't your big love language. No. No. So that was really interesting navigating that. But one of the things for me, if you have physical touch as your love language and your partner isn't that love language, a way to get that still, of course, is through your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's through um, getting massages professionally. Sure. Like I really, it helps me to feel safer in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps me to feel relaxed too. And it's not like, oh my God, I love my massage therapist, you know, or something like that. It's more of that physical touch is a way for me to feel good and feel safe yeah. um, and for my body to relax too. But having friends and family and loved ones who are huggers, who are those people that they do a lot of touching, you know, when you're talking, they'll touch you on the shoulder and go, oh my gosh, yes, mm-hmm. those people. Um, if you see a lot of people who are touchers like that, um, they're, maybe their love language is physical touch. Certainly. Um, it may be the one they're at least they're giving. 
Um, some people are really sensitive to other people's energy. Mm-hmm. They're really sensitive and they can get very overstimulated very quickly by people's emotions if they're empathic or mm-hmm. if they're highly sensitive or highly intuitive. And so picking up all that stuff when you hug someone, I've, I have clients I work with that just they can't do it. It's too much. Sometimes yeah. they can't be in a room with too many people because they're just picking up everyone's energy. Sure. And they haven't learned yet um, with the tools we work with to turn that off when they need to. And I love, um, I said this before, Carolyn Miss, she's a medical intuitive. She doesn't want people to touch her mm-hmm. or hand, shake her hand or whatever. I think she, in her, um, in one of her audiobooks, she talks about how she's just really sensitive. Sure. And I really like that because you don't have to you know, touch people or shake their hand or hug them if it's crossing your boundary and you're not comfortable oh, absolutely. with it. Absolutely. You know, I think that that's something that, you know, it's loving to yourself it exactly, to acknowledge that. Exactly. If it is something that is beyond your comfort zone and less loving to yourself, mm-hmm. you do not have to use that particular love language. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if it's something that doesn't make you comfortable. And I think, again, always working with a counselor or a therapist for all of those relationship dynamics are really important. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big, big thing that we, there's so much of a stigma around that we don't actually go and get the help. And not just the help from relationship dynamics when it comes to um, everyday things, um, money and what well, money and children are some of the biggest things that people fight over. Mm-hmm. And then sex. That's sure. a big one. So I think mm-hmm. there's so many different people out there that can help with that. Yeah. So for today, just to recap what we talked about, these six words, eros, which is sexual passion, philia, that's deep friendship, ludos, is that playful love, agape, that love for everyone, pragma, that long-standing love that lasts, and philochia, which is self-love. And then the five love languages. Again, you can take a test. Um, we'll leave in the show notes to go download the app. You can actually take a test to find out what your love languages are if you're not sure. And uh, you can also have your partner or your friend to take it. It's really kind of neat. And they can. the app has uh, ability to add different friends and add partners in there so that you can see... Uh, their love languages, and you can you can if especially if you have differing different differing love languages, mm-hmm. you can use use the app to help you to remember. Wait, this is their love language, and then check off. Did you give them that love language, sure. and so that they can feel more loved by you? Words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, quality time, and physical touch. So, anything else about these languages of love? I think that the more that we can understand the different expressions of love, of how we interact and show those things to each other, the more that we can be love literate, you know, that's really a good way to put it. Because ultimately, as we're going to talk about a little bit later, love is so amorphous because it is fluid. It doesn't have a clear cut definition. And so, we very often expect that other people are going to give and receive love in the same way that we do until we realize that there's something else out there. It's no different than when we're learning how to speak English as children, and then one day we realize that there's another language out there. You know, So it's, it, knowledge is power, and the more that we can expand our awareness and our understanding of these expressions, the more we can be a literate lover you know, of, of everyone. And the more we can be literate lovers, the more we can spread love and help people to feel love. And when we feel love, we decrease fear in the world because we are feeling more love versus fear, mm-hmm. at least from others, and as much as we can do it for ourselves as well. So, well, thank you guys so much for listening, 
And our next episode will be going into the experience of love. So stay tuned for that and be well until next time, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Detox podcast. We wish you wellness and health in your mind, body, and spirit. And be well until next time, my friends.